David Bennett, and this is Bitcoin And, a podcast where I try to find the edge effect between the worlds of Bitcoin, gaming, permaculture, podcasting, and education to gain a better understanding of all. Edge effect is a concept from ecology describing a greater diversity of life where the edges of two systems overlap. While species from either system can be found at the edge, it is important to note there are species in the overlap that exist in neither system, and that is what I seek to uncover. So join me in discovering the variety of things being created as Bitcoin rubs up against other systems. It is 9 o'clock a.m., the 14th of January, 2020. This is episode 180 of Bitcoin, and I was so freaking wrong yesterday. Oh my God, it's embarrassing. Oh God, I'm going to have to do the erratum. I don't have a choice because I'm, you know, dude, when you screw up as bad as I screwed up, you have to take it on the chin. You You just have to. Yesterday, I reported that it was Gavin Andreessen that rage quit in 2014. No, I got both of those wrong. (laughs) It was 2016, and it was Mike Hearn. Gavin Andreessen did, in fact, go visit the Gov and and the Feds and all that shit, and it did cause uh, Satoshi to bail. That part is actually true. What is not true is that... Gavin Andreessen rage quit. Um, he did a bunch of other stupid shit, <clears throat> but he didn't. Uh, he didn't rage quit like Mike Hearn. Okay, let, let's just let's just put it that way. So, Mike Hearn, uh, you know I, what I did is I, I dug up a, the old Forbes article from today. Well, not today, January fourteenth. It's you know, like I said, today is January the fourteenth. It is Tuesday. But on January the 14th in 2016, Kia Kokolicheva is writing for Fortune.com. So let me just read you this, and, and we'll get through this erratum together, and, and you can hold my hand and, and wipe my tears of despair for screwing this up so freakishly bad. Uh, name uh, or the headline is, Prominent Bitcoin Developer Declares the Digital Currency a Failure. Again, this is back in 2016. This is like, what, four years ago to the day, four years ago. One of digital currencies or one of digital currency Bitcoin's longtime supporters and developers has decided to walk away from it. His reason? Bitcoin has failed. Mike Hearn, devoted longtime Bitcoin enthusiast who eventually quit a job at Google to work on Bitcoin's technology full-time, wrote a long blog post on Medium on Wednesday outlining why he's lost his faith in it. Quote, the fundamentals are broken, and whatever happens to the price in the short term, the long-term trend should probably be downwards. I will no longer be taking part in Bitcoin development and have sold all my coins, end quote, he said. I really should have the train wrecked sound effect for this because this is about as train wreckage as it gets. Hearn offers a detailed and lengthy explanation of his gripes with Bitcoin and its community, but they really boil down to internal politics. Sure, the technology has some shortcomings that have in turn caused problems for users, but infighting and politics have also prevented these issues from being resolved. 
Most of the disagreements are around whether a key piece of Bitcoin's technology should be adjusted so that it can support more transactions. Remember, Bitcoin is a network that processes transactions between computers, which is how Bitcoin is made and traded. Mm, not quite. Eh, nuances, whatever. The Bitcoin community has essentially been split between those in favor of increasing this limit and those who opposed it. Hearn is part of the camp in favor. He even helped build an alternate but compatible version of Bitcoin software called Bitcoin XT that lets developers, quote, cast a vote in favor of raising the limit by using Bitcoin XT instead of the original. Unfortunately, Bitcoin XT has faced a lot of critics and opposition from the get-go, which has further alienated Hearn. Ah, poor Hearn. He says he has now sold all his Bitcoin and is walking away from it. This, of course, is the argument at its barest of bones and other issues, including the impact of China-based Bitcoin miners, are also important factors. So for Hearn's full post, read here. And of course, they end this article with a link to Hearn's Medium post, which I'm not going to read because, well, you've got... You've got the erratum. It was Mike Hearn who rage quit and sold all his coins, and he did it in January of 2016 because he was so pissed off that nobody wanted his shitty version of Bitcoin. Now, <clears throat> what, what does this actually mean? Bitcoin is an organism all by itself. As long as there's two computers, and I think some people might actually argue that one miner might be enough to constitute Bitcoin. My personal opinion is that you need at least two computers that are passing transactions between each other and, you know, and mining. I mean, the miner itself is different software, but you could ostensibly, I guess, if you had like a big beefy machine, let's say four computers or three computers, one miner, and two computers that are connected to said miner insofar as they're connected to the blockchain and transmitting transactions to each other. I'll, I'll say three. That's my, that's my base for the Bitcoin network. If, as long as those three things are there, you've got the Bitcoin network and it doesn't really matter. And Bitcoin, as we all know and love, doesn't really give a shit. It's the honey badger that does not care. Does not care about you, does not care about your family, doesn't really care about whether there's high carbon dioxide levels in the atmosphere. It just doesn't give it. It does what it does because that's what it's meant to do. It's, it's nature. Okay. And all these people come out of the woodwork trying to readjust and provide nurture and hopefully change the system. Again, Bitcoin doesn't care. You can try to give it nurture to change its path all you want and it doesn't do it. And there's various reasons for that. And you can go read any manner of things about the life or the organism that is Bitcoin, but it is an organism. It's not a computer program any longer. It's connected too hardcore to the human species. We are taking care of it. We are being paid to make sure this shit doesn't die. And one of the ways that we make sure this shit doesn't die is we don't go change its genetics. Because when you start tinkering around with the very instruction set of any organism, 
man, you are begging. You're begging the the God, whatever God you pray to, to fuck this up. So don't fuck up the money. Don't fuck up Bitcoin. Sorry, but that's the way it is. Anyway, so there's the erratum. My apologies for showing my stupidity. If if for whatever reason this is the only time that that ever happens, I will count myself lucky. And by the way, it's already happened a few times before. So I'm just going to have to deal with the fact that I, like you, don't know shit about Bitcoin. And as long as we're honest about that, I think we're going to be okay. However, my education continues because our your intrepid hero, me, is running down yet another rabbit hole to build a Bitcoin full node off of a Raspberry Pi 4, which I asked my wife to get me for Christmas. That's right. She bought me something that she's like, I have no idea what the hell this is, man. I have no idea why the hell you want it, but here, Merry Christmas and thank God. So I'm I'm actually sitting right in front of it. It's sitting here beeping at me. They're not beeping, but its lights are bleeping because it is ingesting the initial block download. Now, <clears throat> I had asked for like some recommendations from people on Twitter as to what would you do to build a Bitcoin full node? Uh, what software, where would you go? What guide would you use? That kind of thing, right? And uh, the one of the very first things that was told to me was use MyNode. Go to a MyNode. And so I did. I went to MyNode, and this is MyNodeBTC.com. Now, I had heard about MyNode. I, I, I'm literally not the kind of person who will go, oh, I'll go download whatever you say. No, I've heard about MyNode from several of the podcasts that I've listened to. A lot of the people that I respect uh, have a, eh, they say a lot of good things about this thing. And so I, I did it. I, I, and it was honestly, guys, this whole running a Bitcoin node being like impossible is I don't know where that is coming from. Well, I know where it's coming from. I just don't know why its propagation hasn't been like, you know, stabbed in the heart yet because it's not all that hard. Here's what I did. I went to my node, BTC, all one word, dot com, went to the download section. I downloaded their, uh, their package for the Raspberry Pi 4. It is version 0.1.74. It is a GAR, it's a, it's a Targar, right? So I ended up getting, what did I get? Let's see, what was it? Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, oh, yeah, that's right, Bellina Etcher, so that I could flash the whole image. Now, I didn't unzip it, I didn't detar it, I didn't do dick, okay? Belina Etcher takes care of all this stuff for me, and it's super slick. So I pop a little 64 gigabyte SD card. You don't need it that big. I just have one into um, a reader that can go on my PC. I downloaded the entire package to my computer's desktop. Not, not. I'm not going to the SD card yet. To my desktop. Then I had Belina Etcher take that image from my desktop and flash it to the SD card. When it flashed it, it unfurled the whole thing for me. It untarred it. It unguarded. It unzipped. It did whatever the hell it does and set the entire image for my node on that 
64 gigabyte SD card. I take that card and I shove it into my Raspberry Pi. I hook up a one terabyte SSD hard drive. I bought a good one, like the Samsung one terabyte. I think I walked out. uh, I think I got out of that for 180 bucks. I know you guys are going to like, why didn't you just go to Amazon? Eh, Dude, stop. I, whatever. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Don't don't worry about me. It's going to be fine. Connect it, that one terabyte SSD hard drive up to uh, the high speed, the USB three on the Raspberry Pi four SD cards in, I power it up and lo and behold, the whole thing boots up to my node, the my node software. Then all I have to do is get onto a PC or a Mac or Linux and get to a browser and then go to, uh, what was it? Mynode.local. Oh, by the way, before I, I, I big, big part here. It's connect, the, the Raspberry Pi 4 is hardwired to my uh, uh, router thingy, whatever. The, I, it's too early in the morning for me to get shit correct, people. Okay, give me a break. The thing that gives me internet. Okay, my computer's connected to it. My television is connected to it. And now my Raspberry Pi 4 is connected to it. And it is doing the initial block load. I am syncing, at, as we speak, I'm syncing block number 400,639 of 612,809 blocks. So I'm about two-thirds of the way there. I started this last night at about, I don't know, probably, well, yesterday afternoon at about 4 maybe, maybe five o'clock in the afternoon and I'm already two thirds done. I suspect that this will be done by maybe tonight if I'm lucky, but most likely tomorrow morning. Why? Because as I get further into the chain, the blocks have more and more transactions. Like I synced the first 100,000 blocks within a couple of minutes. I've noticed that as time goes on, the blocks are becoming more and more and more full. Now that we're at way over one megabyte blocks and these uh, since um, SegWit got activated, um, I, it's that last part of the initial block download is going to be kind of probably harsh. So I'm not expecting this shit to finish until tomorrow, quite frankly. But so far, I haven't had to do a whole lot of stuff. I didn't have to get into my Raspberry Pi 4 to go tweak configuration settings. I have to do a whole lot of stuff. I needed to give it a hard drive. I needed to flash some software to an SD drive. That whole process took like 15 minutes. And from the time that I got from the time that the download completed to the time that I had Bolina etcher flashed to the SD card and had the raspberry Pi booted up into the environment that it can take the initial block download 15 minutes. I didn't do dick. I mean, frankly, I I really, really didn't do a whole lot of stuff for that. So your intrepid hero is is right fine chilling out down the rabbit hole. So let's get in to vital statistics.
Vital Statistics is brought to you by bitinfocharts.com, mempool.space, and 1ml.com. We have a Bitcoin price of 8672 today. It looks like the high is going to be chilling out over at CoinsBit at... Oh, wait. No, no, no. That is the high. Sorry, guys. Uh, we have a low over at... Where is that going to be? It looks like it's going to be at GDAX at 8656 So fairly tight, you know, fairly tight, 120, 120 bucks off. Uh, we have had 310,000 transactions made over the last 24 hours. About 13,000 transactions were made per hour on average. 905,761 BTC were sent over the last 24 hours with an average being sent per hour of right around 37,700. Average transaction value is normal at 2.2 or sorry 2.92 BTC and a median transaction value of 0.03 BTC or right around 262 bucks. Block times are high. I suspect that this is because some of the hash rate is moving off of Bitcoin to go mine those two stupid ass chains BCH and BSV who and I can't hide it have been gaining like massive amounts of uh, gains over the last yesterday and this morning, they st still ridiculous. 11 minutes and 15 seconds is the block time. We have 0.178 BTC being taken in fees on a per block basis. 22 and a half BTC have been taken overall in the last 24 hours in fees. We've had a 10% drop of hash rate in the last 24 hours, and that brings us sub 100 to 96.29 exahashes per second. The last commit to the code repository over at GitHub for Bitcoin was done sometime this morning. It, uh, everything is gaining in, in value across the board. Do not let that shit fool you. The rest of these are shit coins. I just do this because eh, you might as well get a lay of the land. Ethereum is at 155. Bcash is at 321. BSV is at 233. And that means that BSV surpassed the market cap of Litecoin. Okay, that's... I feel bad for the bag holders. They're happy now, but dude... This like the most illiquid coin on the face of the freaking planet. And somehow or another, it's got this huge spike. I would not trust that. I mean, it, I, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's a shit coin. Litecoin is at 56.69. Ethereum Classic is at $6.55. And they apparently just completed a hard fork. Uh, we won't get into that, but Dogecoin is chilling out where Dogecoin always chills out at zero point zero zero two seven dollars at thirty three thousand nine hundred transactions in the last twenty four hours walking all over Litecoin. Let's look at the mempool. Uh, we have a deep mempool. We have eleven blocks that are in the mempool, and that constitutes about thirteen thousand and five hundred unconfirmed transactions. All the blocks that are going by uh, are well above one megabyte in size. Lightning Network stuff, 11,044 nodes. We have 35,639 channels, a network capacity of 863 BTC, which now represents about $7.3 million in the network. We have only five new nodes that came online in the last 24 hours, 
but the number of new channels in the last 24 hours has increased by about 12%. So we have 94 diaper wearing channels. That's going to do it for vitals. Morning Roundup is going to start with a Singapore crypto consultant kidnapped for $1 million in ransom. Andrew Shevchenko is writing for Cointelegraph this morning. Singaporean Mark Chang was recently kidnapped in Thailand and tortured for a $740,000 ransom in Bitcoin, the South China Morning Post and others report on January the 14th. After transferring all his available funds of $46,000, he allegedly made a daring escape as his captors prepared to murder him. Chang was on a business trip to Thailand with associate Kim Lee Yao Wei when a group of masked men grabbed them and put them in a nearby truck, Chang told Singapore Chinese publication Li Han Wan Bao. Chang also implicated Thai actor Chano Pemberger as the owner of the pickup truck where he was transported or in which he was transported. Thai police have reportedly identified the actor as a person of interest pending further investigation. The captors have allegedly tortured Chang and requested a ransom of 1 million Singapore dollars, which is about $740,000 U.S. in Bitcoin. <clears throat> the businessman was only able to provide the equivalent of just over $46,000 to the captors, who then seemingly decided to execute him. Chang was able to escape his alleged fate, recounting to Wan Bao, quote, one of them held the gun against the back of my head while the other stepped away. Fortunately, I know martial arts. I reached behind my head and grabbed the pistol, and then I fled, end quote. God, it sounds like a movie. <clears throat> Hiya, Bruce Lee. Hiya. Sorry. Uh, Thai police later identified his associate Kim as the mastermind of the kidnapping and charged him with multiple felonies to which he confessed. The money appears to have since been returned, according to some sources. Uh, Mark Chang appears to have begun his business career with Avlife, a nonprofit socio-environmental organization. In 2016, he received a Queen's Young Leaders Award from Queen Elizabeth II for his work. Since then, he took an interest in the world of cryptocurrencies. <laughs> See you in hell, brother. Appearing in 2018 as an advisor to Xfinity, a Singaporean initial coin offering project that has shown no signs of life since April of 2019. A meetup related to the project describes him as a partner of Gladiolus Capital and advisor to startup Brunei. Or sorry, Brunei. Multiple sources, including Wan Bao and the new paper, report that Chang was being prosecuted for misappropriating funds from an investment group he was working at in 2014. He was released on bail for a reported amount of 120,000 Singapore dollars on January the 8th, arriving in Thailand the next morning. Court documents partially revealed to Corn Telegraph seem to confirm this. Uh, Chang is accused to have knowingly worked in an investment fund lacking the appropriate licensure. 
Zabel Global Investments LTD and allegedly embezzling the equivalent of over $220,000. This is not the first time that businessman involved with crypto have been targeted by kidnappers. In 2017, a Bitcoin trader was kidnapped in India by another BTC investor. In the same year, the director of cryptocurrency exchange Exmo was kidnapped in Ukraine with the crafters, the captors reportedly extracting a $1 million ransom. So do yourself a favor, make sure you advertise, tweet, Instagram, Facebook, whatever it is that you do, that you have definitely lost your hardware wallet in a tragic boating accident upon some lake that is hopefully shark infested with freshwater sharks, even though freshwater sharks don't exist. So again, guys, be careful. And this, honestly, I wonder about uh, Bitcoin and cryptocurrency conventions and conferences. Uh, it seems to me like to be a big target now. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go to Bitblock Boom, but I can't help but to admit that I'm going to be looking over my shoulder. I sure as shit ain't going to have no hardware wallets on me or anything. In fact, I'll probably not even take my phone. I, I don't know, man. Or if I do uh, erase like all the apps that I have for like uh, lightning wallets and stuff, I don't know. I'm probably overthinking this. However, for those that don't think adversarially in this space, you might get kidnapped and potentially murdered. And if you're not a Bruce Lee martial arts, knowing wumbo dude, uh, you might just get off. Just saying. It's, it's not outside the realm of possibility. <clears throat> okay. CME Bitcoin options trade $2.3 million in debut. BTC price hits two-month high. This is William Suberg writing for Cointelegraph sometime this morning. Bitcoin futures options from CME Group saw volumes in excess of $2.3 million on the product's first day of public trading, the company has confirmed. Data from CME's official website confirmed the successful rollout on Janu January the 13th, <clears throat> which began as scheduled and ultimately saw 55 contracts change hands. Each contract corresponds to 5 BTC, meaning that at current prices, the 55 contracts were worth $2.34 million. Bitcoin markets rallied on release day, rising by more than 5% to hit highs of 85.50. Those levels had previously remained absent since mid-November. As Cointelegraph reported, enthusiasm was palpable in advance of the options debut last week, with Bitcoin likewise gaining significantly in the run-up Monday. CME, along with competitor Bact, reported increased interest in futures during that period. For Monday, Bact's futures delivered total volumes of 2,907 contracts worth $19.94 million, nonetheless down 10% on the previous session. At the same time, open interest was up 7% to $9.58 million. The past seven days have seen two, two, uh, sorry, the past seven days have in fact seen two options released, the other being from FTX, which began trading days before CME. According to live company data, FTX saw reported volumes of 3,618 BTC, or about $30.8 million, for an options over the past 24 hours, conspicuously higher than the other's figures. Yes, yeah, conspicuous, all right. Cointelegraph reached out to CME and backed, but have not received response as of press time. So it looks like 
the CME group saw some, ah, some decent traction, I guess. Uh, what's really scary here is the FTX reported volume. Uh, 3,618 BTC on a week old uh, options trading platform, or may, not the platform, FTX has been around for a while, but they're, they're a new instrument. Within a week already is surpassed backed. I don't know. I think I'm just going to go ahead and call bullshit on that right now. Okay, let's check this one out. Payments giant Visa acquires fintech firm Plaid for three, or sorry, $5.3 billion. That's billion with a B. Adrian Zmunsky is writing for Cointelegraph this morning. Payments behemoth Visa acquired fintech firm Plaid for $5.3 billion, according to a press release published on January the 13th. Per the release, Plaid has, a, has developed a network that allows users to easily connect their financial accounts to the apps they use to manage their financial lives. The firm's products reportedly allow for convenient sharing of financial information with thousands of apps and services by allowing users to link various accounts. The announcement states that 75% of the world's internet-enabled customers or consumers used a fintech application for moving funds. As such, it has become increasingly important to facilitate consumers' abilities to use fintech applications, Visa Chairman and CEO Al Kelly commented, quote, Plaid is a leader in the fast-growing fintech world with best-in-class capabilities and talent. The acquisition, combined with our many fintech efforts already underway, will position Visa to deliver even more value for developers, financial institutions, and consumers. And if that ain't an out-of-the-book corporate speak, I don't know what the hell is. I love it. Best in class. Uh, Let's see. Leader. Acquisition. Uh, Let's see here. Oh, yeah. More value to consumers. Yeah, this is just like, I could say I could build a coffee maker and have that thing as my freaking tagline. It's ridiculous. Plaid also serves cryptocurrency wallet Abra. While cryptocurrency exchange Coinbase also uses the firm services to obtain customers' banking information, Visa hopes that the acquisition will enable it to work more closely with financial technology firms. Kelly explained that Plaid's acquisitions or acquisition transitions Visa from connecting buyers and sellers to connecting consumers with fintech services. The acquisition is still subject to regulatory and customary closing conditions and will have no impact on Visa's previously announced stock buyback program or dividend policy. The deal is expected to close within the next three to six months. Visa has shown an active interest in innovations in the fintech sector, yada, yada, yada. It just kind of goes on from there talking about more, more corporate speak. Um, Here's my concern. Actually, I'm not concerned. This is just what I think is happening. One of the reasons I, I think that we've been in the dark ages around the world for financial technologies is because corporations like Visa will buy competitors strip them down and destroy them. Now the corporate speak is, Oh, they are best in class and blah, blah, blah. And then you never hear shit about it again. And it ain't just FinTech guys. This happens all over the damn place. One of the best ways to make sure that your competition is not competition is to buy them, neuter them and strip them down. This is the way this shit works. If you don't believe it, I got bridges all over the world to sell you. And I might have to sell one to this gentleman. It's official. 
Akon has his own crypto city in Senegal. Senegal has given the, given the green light to build Akon City, a 2,000-acre metropolis that will trade exclusively in a digital currency called Acoin. <laughs> this is Decrypt.co's Adriana Homacher. She's writing, when is this? Oh, this is today. Africa is to get the world's first crypto city. Musician and entrepreneur Akon, or Akon, whatever, however the hell you pronounce it, tweeted on Monday that he has official approval to build Akon City in Senegal. The singer is a Senegalese descent and first revealed plans for Africa's most futuristic metropolis over 18 months ago. At the time, he said the city will be built on 2,000 acres of land gifted to him by the president of Senegal. Mackie Saul. Oh, God. Gifted. Oh, by the president, no less. It will trade exclusively in Acon's digital cash currency, Acoin. That's A K O I N. <clears throat> Reports suggest that Acon City will be built in the seaside village of, I can't pronounce it, M B O D I E N E. You pronounce it. Five minutes from Senegal's new international airport. It's billed as an environmental campaign and sustainable tourism village. Last week, Acon, who signed a memorandum of understanding with Senegal's state owned tourism company SAPCO, according to Lad Bible. What a God. The singer's cryptocurrency, Acoin, is expected to launch early July, but the Acon City project will take considerably longer. It's a 10-year building block, so we're doing it in stages. We started construction in March, and stage two is going to be 2025. Acon said in a course of an interview with Los Angeles rap radio station Power 106. According to Euronews, building the futuristic city is estimated to cost $2 billion dollars. Akon is the alias of 45-year-old Aline Thaim. In recent years, the 45-year-old has branched out from his musical career into entrepreneurship and charitable works. One of his first venues was Akon Lightning Africa, which is providing solar power for two African countries. The new city will be all renewable, the Akon-tainment solar city. The Akon-tainment solar city mine. Heavens, Akon told Power 106. Akon argues that blockchain can enable Africans to become less dependent on their governments. Quote, I think that blockchain and crypto could be the savior for Africa in many ways because it brings the power back to the people. Cryptocurrency and blockchain technology offer a more secure currency that enables people in Africa to advance themselves independent of the government, he said on announcing his plans for Akon City. Akon is not the only entrepreneur who believes African nations are ripe for crypto adoption. Twitter CEO and Bitcoin advocate Jack Dorsey recently returned from a trip to Africa with plans for enterprise on the continent. And according to the United Nations, Africa could be crypto's next frontier. Mm. Acoin. Yet another shit coin. Oh, it's never going to end. It's just not, you know. I hate it, but it's just not going to end. So we're all going to have to live with it. Uh, But maybe not in Texas. I don't know. We're being kind of stupid, apparently. Let's get into this one. Texas Securities Board lists crypto as high-risk threat to investors. This is Ali writing for Bitcoinist.com. When? when? Oh, this morning. It had been two weeks since 2020 has started, and investors around the world are interested in seeing what the new year has to offer. Regulators, on the other hand, believe that being aware of potential threats is more important. Oh, wait, what the hell is that? 
Good God, people. Have you seen it? Have you seen it? Yes, apparently this is, has just happened. BSV has flippened BCH. Yeah, 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 yeah. If only for a freaking moment, but apparently it happened around, it looks like uh, just before 10 a.m. this morning. It is now 10.58 my time. Uh, there was a huge spike on BSV that actually flippened BCH. <laughs> Got it. Just, oh, the, the pain and suffering that Roger must be going through at this point. Just, uh, it's just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say. My God. But let's continue on with this Texas bit. Oh, good Lord. <clears throat> The state regulator has been quite active in trying to police the crypto space in the last several days, ever since the crypto markets erupted with Bitcoin surge to $20,000 per coin in late 2017. The regulator kept warning people against Bitcoin and other cryptos, pointing out their extreme volatility and claiming that it's almost impossible for a layperson to understand them. Keep you stupid. <laughs> Apparently that's how we do things in Texas. And it's not. It's just... These are the idiots, the the idiot portion of Texas. Don't 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 let them sully the whole state. The regulator further claimed that promoters of crypto tokens are only trying to take advantage of people who are looking for a quick way to get rich, and that even seniors and retirees who prioritize security over speculation have been persuaded to invest in ICOs. The new list of threats published yesterday represents a continuation of these concerns, once again warning investors not to buy crypto without determining the trustworthiness of the token issuing firm. Now, that's the impossible part. Oh, man, any investor who decides to enter the crypto space should only deal with registered firms as TSSB advised. The regulator also noted that there is little that can be done for investors whose money ends up being stolen via ICO or other crypto-related investments. As some may remember, it was recently announced that a massive Bitcoin mining operation is set to start in Rockdale, Texas. The initiative was started by Louisiana-based data center firm called Winstone US Incorporated which is creating the so-called largest crypto mining operation in the world. The creation of the facility has already started in late 2019 on the 100-acre large plot of land. The project's value is estimated to be $150 million and will supposedly create around 200 jobs. Meanwhile, despite all the warnings that Texas Regulator has published, Bitcoin still was the best performing asset of 2019 at the start of the previous year, BTC. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then they go into the, the metrics and stuff like that, which is not important. What is important <clears throat> is to continuously remind anybody that you can that there is Bitcoin and then there are shit coins. If you cross the line from Bitcoin to shit coin, wreckage will occur. It will occur. It's going to occur. In fact, in fact, I was just looking because that whole thing with BSV flipping and all that, I was looking at the one minute chart. Now, guys, I don't trade and I certainly don't put any value in the one minute chart. I know there's a lot of people that will trade on the 15 minute chart, whatever. Obviously, looking at the one minute chart is kind of stupid, except in this particular case. The one-minute chart on BSV shows <laughs> oh, it shows a spike that goes from 0 0.03 BTC all the way up 
to 0.249 BTC. That's, dude, that's like an order of magnitude of a spike that is all red. So anybody in that one minute that, for whatever reason, went long, I guess they got the living shit pummeled out of them. Of course, I don't even know where to trade this stuff. I don't know what the hell, where BSV even is anymore. So I certainly don't know how. I'm looking at a volume spike of 5,000 coin on a one-minute candle. On I'm looking at 5,000. And that was not, that was not the spike that I'm talking about. That's not the order of magnitude spike on BSV that I'm talking about within the one minute. This actually came about 15 minutes later. It was a downdraft, and you're, I'm looking at 5,000 BSV coin being traded. Where? Where the hell are you trading this shit? My God. But what's worse is that if I switch over to the one-hour chart, I'm looking at a downdraft uh, last hour at like the, uh, yeah, we just crossed over to 11 a.m. my time. So the 10 o'clock candle shows... 20,000 BSV being traded on the downdraft and on the updraft on that candle with like there was an hour long candle and it shows the majority of that wick on that one minute uh, was 16,870 coins. So I don't know where the hell these people are trading this pile of garbage at, but don't be one of them. Okay. Just stay away if you can, not investment advice. If you want to go get wrecked, by all means, run on over to whatever exchange is trading this pile of horse pucky and you make sure that you mortgage your house and you max out all your credit cards and you get an auto loan or whatever the hell it is you need to do and shove all of your student loan returns from your college and go in all BSV. By all means, just do it, bro. Just do it. Do it for all of us, man. And I'm sure the SEC won't mind because the SEC files motion for sanctions against Blockfest founder. This is Christina Combrin, or wait a minute, Combin, writing for Bitcoinist.com. Well, yeah, this morning. <clears throat> the Blockfest or Vest, okay, that's B-L-O-C-K-V-E-S-T, Blockvest. ICO was first thrust into the purview of the SEC in October of 2018 when the commission claimed that the company was raising funds for financial products promising double-digit returns. In November of the same year, a court ruled that the SEC had failed to provide enough evidence that BlockVest's BLV token was a security. But that wasn't the end of the BlockVest saga. Like a dog with a bone, the SEC continued to hound Reginald Buddy Ringgold III. <laughs> Not only was the commission convinced that BlockVest was guilty of holding a fraudulent securities offering to the tune of $2.5 million, but it was further revealed that BlockVest was falsely claiming that its upcoming December 2018 ICO was registered with the SEC. The BlockVest website and marketing materials certainly provided the image of legitimacy, as they all do, people don't get into the shit coinery side of things, as well as supposed approval from the SEC. They also proudly boasted the logos of major financial regulators. In reality, none of the companies nor regulators listed had ever partnered themselves with BlockVest. To provide the veneer of legitimacy, Ringgold even went so far as to create a fictitious agency called the Blockchain Exchange Commission, which he claimed regulated the blockchain digital asset space. 
By February 2019, the SEC had managed to convince the court that the BLV token was a security after all and continued to aggressively pursue the case. There were at least two settlement conferences in 2019. The first failed to reach a deal, and the second was not attended by Ringgold, resulting in sanctions and a fine of approximately, get this, $900. Not $900,000, not $900 million. So apparently you can run a bullshit scam, tell the SEC to go eat a dick when they call you to come sit down and talk with them, and you will only have to pay $900. Amazing. Continuing, if things weren't looking bleak enough for Ringgold and his friends, oh my God, what are they not going to be able to buy beer? $900, that's, oh my God. Last Friday, things took another turn for the worse. The agency declared that he had submitted at least one forged and one false declaration in a desperate attempt to hoodwink the court and beat the enforcement action. BlockVest founder convinced two pre-ICO investors to submit false statements. They were asked to negate the fact that they had bought token with the belief of receiving returns. Another investor was also asked to lie about a payment made of $147,000, pretending it was for the company's development costs, the SEC argued. Quote, because this deception impacted the adjudication of a central legal issue in this matter and caused irreparable prejudice, the SEC requests that the court impose liability against defendants on the SEC's claims prior to considering an upcoming summary judgment motion. These false materials so tainted the credibility of any defense evidence that there is no reason for the court to review this evidence for a triable triable issue of fact, end quote. Ringgold has apparently admitted to making mistakes, perhaps the understatement of the century. If fraudulent security offerings and misleading markets weren't enough, add tampering evidence, forging signatures, and badgering witnesses to the list. Even so, the BlockVest founder maintains that none of the tokens sold were securities. He insists that all of the pre-ICO investors were test investors working on the BlockVest exchange. This fact is vehemently contested by the SEC, who can apparently demonstrate that pre-ICO investors included strangers who expected to make a profit. Judgment based on all these factors will be forthcoming, so keep your eyes open. In the meantime, the SEC is calling for an order of default liability sanctions based on Ringgold's attempt to deceive the court. Quote, their knowing submission of false and forged declarations has imposed on this court just such an untenable task of applying the securities laws to defendants' lies, the agency said. Wow. So, I mean, this is the harshest language that I've heard the SEC actually use, and yet a $900 fine so far. $900. Just not showing up. Yeah. I mean, at this point, I'm trying to figure out if the SEC means anything at all. I mean, not wanting everybody to get regulated into into the ground, but... I mean, if the SEC is going to be the SEC, then what we're seeing is how the SEC doesn't really have any enforcement. I mean, everybody's been get, getting off with a slap on the wrist. They're going to do it again. And this one is bad. I, and I have completely for not. I, I don't remember hearing about block vest. I guess I did because I do remember the BLV ticker symbol, but I had I don't follow the shitcoin space, so I wasn't really like reading the white paper and stuff. But man, I mean that's pretty brazen, dude, to to 
hang up a website and say that the SEC is working with you and, you know, and all these other, you know, huge companies are working with you, just flat out lying. I'm flat out lying. So I guess this space, if, you know, if you don't watch out, can turn you into one of the absolute worst people on the face of the planet. So just be careful out there, folks. Don't, don't trade your morality, your ethics, and your ability to sleep at night for something as factious as this bullshit. Yeah, I mean, Bitcoin is the only thing that really matters. And we will end with regulated derivatives will legitimize crypto, says FT or CFTC chair. <laughs> this is also this morning written by Patty Baker for Coindesk.com. The chairman, oh, sorry, I'm sorry, Chair Heath Tarbert told Cheddar Monday that his agency is helping create a regulated futures market that investors would be able to rely on for better price discovery, hedging, and risk management. Quote, by allowing cryptocurrencies to come into the world of the CFTC, investors can better access trusted and regulated financial products, improving overall confidence in the asset class, according to Tarbert. It's helping to legitimize digital assets, in my view, and add liquidity to these markets, he said. The marketplace for cryptocurrency derivatives is expanding. Although still dominated by unregulated exchanges, it is gradually facing greater competition from regulated alternatives. Backed launch physically delivered Bitcoin futures last September, and CME, which first launched Bitcoin futures in December of 2017, opened trading for options contracts Monday. In the interview, Tarbert reiterated that his perspective will only extend to cryptocurrencies the CFTC currently classifies as commodities. Appointed chairman last April, he has advocated for an open regulatory regime when it comes to cryptocurrencies. In an op-ed published on the CFTC website in November, Tarbert argued that regulators should adopt a greater principles-based approach to the asset class. The trick with digital assets is to foster the development of exciting new products while mitigating potential risks. Uh, corporate speak. Rather than the regulator issuing prescriptive rules that companies need to follow, companies should develop commercially viable solutions that satisfy regulatory standards, he said. CFTC first defined Bitcoin as a commodity in 2015, confirming the classification when it gave the go-ahead to CME and CBOE to launch regulated futures at the close of 2017. Ether was only confirmed as a commodity last October when Tarbert said that, as it hadn't been treated as a security by the Securities and Exchange Commission, it stands to reason that it is most likely a commodity. God, is this the way we regulate shit? You, did, you didn't do nothing, so I did it. Good God. When asked by Cheddar whether any other cryptocurrencies such as XRP could soon be defined as commodities, Tarbert told investors to watch this space. <laughs> as the CFTC works closely with the SEC to really think about which crypto falls into what box. Gotta really think about that. Really, really. Th screw it. That's your morning roundup.
Continuing on with my week-long tribute to Neil Peart. And uh, if you didn't listen to yesterday's show, drummer of Rush, Neil Peart, died. He lost his battle with glioblastoma, or otherwise known as brain cancer, December or January the 7th, 2020. He was 67 years old. And I had mentioned in a tweet that he was a pretty much diehard libertarian. Um, and I'm, I want to read you this, this uh, Reason.com article. This was written by Christian Britzge. Um, it was written yesterday. Um, but it's going to demonstrate why or, or the evidence for his libertarianism through his music and the lyrics that he wrote for the band Rush. Um, the late drummer left behind a legacy of unparalleled musicianship and freedom celebrating lyrics. Neil Peart, a long, the longtime drummer for the Canadian band Rush, died last week of brain cancer, leaving behind a legacy as one of rock's most technically accomplished percussionist and perhaps its most articulate libertarian lyricist. The 67-year-old songwriter <clears throat> regularly championed individualism, choice, and freedom over soul-crushing conformity. Early Rush songs are saturated with such messages. The song Free Will, released on 1980's Permanent Waves album, puts self-determination at the root of the human experience. Quote, if you choose not to decide, you still have made a choice. In The Trees, released two years earlier, Pert tells a fable about a forest where the maple trees demand to be made equal with the taller oaks. It doesn't go well. Quote from the song, so the maples formed a union and demanded equal rights. The oaks are just too greedy. We will make them give us light. Now there's no more oak oppression, for they passed a noble law, and the trees were all kept equal by hatchet, axe, and saw. <laughs> Cut them all down, man. You guys, are going, it's like dealing with two kids or yelling at each other over a toy. It's like, if you guys can't come to a conclusion with this crap right now, I'm taking the toy away and I'm throwing it in the trash. I'm not, you know, I don't stand for that shit from my kids. Apparently, Neil didn't stand for it from the children of the world. Sometimes, Peart's individualism could be compressed into a single line, as in Rush's 1981 hit, Tom Sawyer. No, his mind is not for rent to any god or government. Rush's 1976 album, uh, 2112, which Peart dedicated to the genius of Ayn Rand, tells the story of a futuristic theocracy that outlaws individualism and creativity, including the electric guitar. Rand's novel, The Fountainhead, had, had a particularly heavy influence on Peart, who described the affinity he felt for the book's protagonist in a 1997 interview with Scott Bullock for Liberty Magazine. Howard Rourke st stood as a role model for me as exactly the way I was already living. Even at the tender age of 18, I already felt that, and it was intuitive or instinctive or inbred stubbornness or whatever, but I had already made those choices and suffered for them. As Bullock notes, the driving force here wasn't Rand's full-throated endorsement of commerce. It was her defense of individual will and artistic integrity against corrupting conformity. Whether the pressure to conform comes from the government or from soulless corporate executives, as time went on, 
Pert distanced himself from Rand and some of her more radical policy notions. The Liberty Profile mentions that Pert supports a government safety net. By 2015, he was telling Rolling Stone, for a person of my sensibility, you're only left with the Democratic Party. The whole healthcare thing, denying mercy to suffering people? What? This is Christian? Rush even sent libertarian-leaning Senator Rand Paul a cease and desist letter in 2010 to get the then-candidate to stop using its songs at rallies and in videos, although the band's lawyers insisted that this was a sol- was solely a copyright issue. So went Parrott's ideological journey. Meanwhile, the music he made will continue to have a life of its own, inspiring people with its defense of individual freedom for decades to come. So... It's not impossible for even people that I really highly respect in the space of libertarianism or individualism, if that's actually even a word, <clears throat> to fall to, you know, to the prey of the state. It's really easy, and it was easy for Pert too. But for the time that he, made, that he was writing those lyrics, um, those lyrics infected the minds of me, countless other people that I know, and countless other people that I don't know, um, so those early ideals that have not been shelved uh, for the, uh, God, what do you want to call it, the pacifier of the state, um, still, I, they live on. You know, there's still, there's, you know, Parrot as he was still burns on, even if Parrot later in life kind of succumbed to the state. Although I'm, I'm sure he probably wasn't all like 100% for the state, even at the end of his death, he was probably, okay, pick and choose. This thing is good. The, most of this stuff is bad. I don't know. I didn't know the man, never met him, but, eh, you know, it's kind of sad that he went kind of the you know, into the, the belly of the beast and, the, and for the state, but whatever. Like I said, the most important thing is, is that for the great guts and feathers of his lyric writing career, he wrote enough about what we want to hear that it still burns alive in hundreds of thousands of people. Have some more. We can't help ourselves.
Rush could only write 17 minute songs. Nope. No, that was like what, two and a half minutes or something like that. And actually it's, it ends up being one of my very favorite, favorite tunes. That was, uh, Oh God, was that from, uh, when clockwork angels, uh, snakes and arrows album. Um, that's one of my, yeah, that's one of my favorite of their instrumentals. And I really do like their instrumentals. And if you, you know, if you can't stand Rush because of Getty Lee's voice, I understand that, but they got a shit ton of instrumentals where you can just hear them play and no vocals. So, and that's what I'm going to be doing all week long is, uh, the no vocal stuff. Just so you can listen to Parrot shred shred to the ground the drum kit oh my god dude okay so getting into our daily train wrecked for the day i got a roger ver tweet uh and i don't know what date i didn't take a snapshot of it i'm blocked i he i i i replied to one of his posts a couple of years ago with the hippopotamus pooping or the rhino pooping and uh Apparently that gets you blocked. Anyway, uh, so I don't know when he did this. It was at least last week. I'm pretty sure. Maybe the week before that. Um, anyway, Roger Ver says, imagine promoting Bitcoin today on chain. High fees. Devs want higher fees. Slow, unreliable, reversible. Layer two requires expensive full node. Initial setup takes all day. Practically requires a computer science degree. Risk loss of funds. Custodial, same as PayPal. I mean, yikes. Come on. I'm putting, I, like, like I said earlier in the show this morning, I am putting together my Bitcoin full node. And because I'm using my node, I should have, by the time it's all said and done, if everything goes smoothly, I should have a Bitcoin full node, a lightning node, all kinds of stuff. I, there's, there's like all kinds of stuff in the my node package. That's one of the things that makes it so ridiculously cool. So I'm going to try it out. But his thing, uh, expensive. Okay, I opted to buy a $180 SSD Samsung um, uh, one terabyte drive to set up my node. I didn't have to do that. In fact, my node, when you're looking at uh, their kind of setup, it's not really a guide because it's like, you know, if it's a guide, I expect more than, you know, a single web page. But my node makes it really easy or seem seemingly, I don't know, I'm, they're not a sponsor. So, and I haven't actually used it yet because it's still setting up, but so far so good. Um, <clears throat> They have a link to a one terabyte hard drive on amazon.com. And I can't remember if it's Western digital or, or not, but it's 44 bucks. It's $44. And then it's a $45 raspberry Pi node and a couple of cables. I don't know where expensive full node comes in. I, I mean, the, I'm, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't know what the hell he's talking about and practically requires a CS degree. Huh? No, it doesn't. I mean, maybe it used to, but uh, I don't have a computer science degree and I seem to be floating along just fine. Anyway, there's your smoldering pile.
Terrible Joke Corner and brought to you by Dad Says Jokes. What's a group of chubby newborns called? Heavy infantry. Oh, Dad. You really got to lay off this shit, man. Okay, so Tuesday's show is now in the bag. Uh, flipping apparently is, is, I don't know. It's, it's happened once for a, you know, for like a minute, I think maybe like a few seconds. Let's see. Let's go check on it and see what's going on here. Oh, good Lord. Uh, BSV has again, flippened Bcash. I have, okay. It's really close. BSV is at 333.67. Bcash is at three hundred and thirty-four and nine cents right now. It is eleven thirty-five a.m. Central Standard Time. Again, that's eleven thirty-five Central Standard Time, and BSV and Bcash are locked in. Uh, I don't know, maybe a mutual death grip. The only thing that I would look for at this moment that would make me really happy is that both of the chains now get attacked simultaneously because at hash rates, I'm sorry guys, but uh, their hash rate is like, uh, what is it? They're, okay, BSV is at 2.3 exahashes and BCH is at, or a bit, uh, Bcash is at 3.25 exahashes. You're talking about that being like up against 95 exahashes for Bitcoin. It would be, it would not take that much cash to launch an attack on not only one of those chains, but both of those chains. So, oh, and just while we're here on exahashes, BSV has gained 22% of of their hash rate in 24 hours, and uh, Bcash has gained 6.81% in... Oh, good God. Now it's flipping again. BSV got flipping by Bcash. Uh, they've lost, uh, B, BSV went down to 328 bucks. So that was enough for BitInfo charts to reshuffle my screen and put BSV behind Bcash. So this is going to be a fight. I probably all day pop some popcorn, get ready for all the bullshit. We're, we still don't know anything about uh, Craig's bonded courier or whatever the hell it is that's supposed to be bringing him the keys to the I, tulip trust, trust three i mean is there going to be a tulip trust four i don't know but the amount of, of idiocy that's going on right now you know don't let yourself get suckered into this people uh the both of those coins are pretty illiquid um i i i just wouldn't i i wouldn't you know I wouldn't do stuff like cash, you know, cash out your 401k and mortgage your house and, or put a second mortgage out on it or go, I don't know, get a title loan on your car to go buy any of this crap. I wouldn't even, honestly, I wouldn't do that to buy Bitcoin either because I think it's just bad form to take loans to buy a financial instrument. That includes gold. I wouldn't do it to buy gold. I wouldn't do it to buy stocks. I wouldn't do it to buy United States trade trade uh, savings bonds. I wouldn't do any of that shit. Just daily cost average in, which means like pick a day, like either every day or once a week or once every two weeks to just buy 20 bucks or a hundred bucks. Just do that and do it like either every day, every week, every two weeks, once a month, whatever, you know, I've got my, 
uh, River uh, financial account set to buy every two weeks. That I, I I figured I'd I'd start there to put you know River Financial through its paces and and we will see. So far, so good. Uh, I like I said yesterday, I really like the interface of River Financial. So you know, use it to DCA because you can't do that on Cash App right now. Cash App from Square Crypto or from Square and Jack Dorsey's company. Um, uh, I like it too, and I've I've bought you know quite a few Satoshis through that thing, but it doesn't let you just set it and forget it where every two weeks or every week or whatever it is you want to do, you buy some more and you buy some more and you buy. And that way you just kind of even out how, you know, uh, your volatility, you know, if you're buying 20 bucks once a month for a year, you know, you're not in for that much and you literally average out the bumpiness over the course of a year. So yeah, do, do what you want. I, again, don't mortgage your shit. Don't take loans out to buy any of this stuff. Certainly not Bcash or BSV. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Anyway, I'll see you guys on the other side. This has been Bitcoin And, and I'm your host, David Bennett. I hope you enjoyed today's episode and hope to see you again real soon. Have a great day.